Welcome to Time After Time, a non-sponsored, highly judgmental podcast about time travel and love and friendship and the movies that bring them together into our living rooms. I'm Helena and I'm Paige. And maybe in an alternate timeline, you've already listened to this podcast and you loved it. Let's go. Hello. <laughs> that wasn't my song. I was just I was just waking myself up, you well, know. Well, this one has like a a pretty I mean, obvious yeah, one. Yeah, happy birthday to you. But that's boring. Yeah, I like can think of like a lot of birthday songs, right? Like they say it's your death day. Yeah, it's all birthday related. It's all birthday related. Mm-hmm. So I really they, because I'm happy death day. No, no. <laughs> I think we just have to call this one a wash because it's just it's it's there's it's too obvious. It's too obvious. Yeah, doesn't right. doesn't really spark the creativity within us. So if you haven't figured it out, this week we are doing Happy Death Day. So I guess we'll just we could just jump right into the summary. I mean, yeah, unless you have anything to say. Do you have anything? No, I have no thoughts. Any prefaces to this? No. Oh, I I can. We have one preface, which is that this is actually we've decided this is going to be a mini series, oh, yes. part one, part one of a mini series. Yes. To go back to the beginning, I was not enthused about this movie to start with. I really thought I was not going to like it. Um, and Paige was like, "Should we also do Happy Death Day to You, uh, which is the sequel?" And I was like, "I don't think we need to," <laughs> mostly because I was like, "I don't think I'm going to like this movie." Um, but after watching it, spoiler alert, I enjoyed it. Yeah, we, and we had fun. We had to, we we each had a good time and separately. Separately, and we'll. I think we're going to have a good time discussing it. So. And also, um, we skimmed the summary for the second one, and it seems like they're sufficiently different to do mm-hmm. uh, a second episode yes. on them. So, uh, yeah, this is part one of Happy Death Day. Right. Uh, and you're welcome, everyone. And I, I will add that, you know, we did skim the summary of the second one and watch the trailer, but we are, we're just discussing this movie as if there is no sequel. We're in the part one. We're discussing it yes, as, yes. as if there is no sequel. We don't know anything that we read in that summary. And then... When we do part two, when we do Happy Death Day to You, which you can't tell, but every time Helene and I say the title, we hold up two fingers when we say to because that's how it's written. And then there's just a you. Um, so um, then we flip sh- our fingers. Just want to say shout out to Lindsay Carver, my friend who works for a company called To You. Really? Um, what do they yeah. do? They're like a, a rec- like recruitment company for grad schools, I think. All right, unless I'm not they pay entirely us. sure what uh, they do. Lindsay, maybe you can inform me, inform the listeners. Um, not unless they're going to pay us. Uh, maybe, Lindsay, maybe you can get us a sponsorship. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, shout out to Lindsay, and I will also give you a shout out on the next one, because that's the real one. That to is you. To you. <laughs> but we can discuss both the sequel and how they fit together when we do part two, but to keep it as to keep it spoiler free for <laughs> in the... case you decide you want to go watch both of these <laughs> yeah i mean there will be spoilers throughout for the entire of the first one but i'm just saying we're not going to we're not going to refer back to anything we read about the sequel i this actually episode. didn't read anything that was like about the mechanics of it i just read like the like very bare bones thing about about what the next one's about so i actually okay. don't know anything okay but you will have to keep it 
Yeah, keep, no, I keep can a lid it. on it, Paige. Yeah, we've watched The Bachelor together when I've known who the winner is. I know how to do it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, uh, shall we summarize? Summary. Teresa, known as Tree and played by Jessica Roth, wakes up in a dorm room on Monday the 18th. Of what month? We never learned. We will never know. It's not important. <laughs> but it is Monday the 18th. Mm-hmm. She was drunk the night before and doesn't remember how she got there, but the guy in the room introduces himself as Carter, played by Israel Brassard. Sure. Very cute. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, but he's very cute. She dismisses him and storms off, being rude to a bunch of people on her way back to her sorority house. Back in her room, her roommate Lori gives her a cupcake with a candle in it, letting her know that she figured out today was Tree's birthday from her driver's license. Tree thanks her, but throws the cupcake away as it has too many carbs. Ew. Tree rushes off to a class that she's late for. She then has a lunch meeting with her sorority where no one eats lunch, and she is embarrassed when Carter shows up to give her back the bracelet that she left in his room. Next, she heads to the university hospital. She runs into Lori, who works there as some sort of medical student or something, uh, and then she makes out with her married professor in his office right before his wife shows up. Also, all day she ignores calls from her dad. That night, on the way to a fraternity party, Tree encounters a tunnel covered in a ton of caution tape, and there's a creepy birthday-themed music box in it. As she's investigating, someone creeps up behind her wearing the mask of the school's mascot, which is a creepy-looking baby, and slits her throat. Tree immediately wakes up again back in Carter's dorm room on the morning of Monday the 18th. And a time loop is born. Happy birthday to the time loop, Oh, oh, good one, Paige. It takes a few loops for Tree to figure out what's going on and that she's not just having intense deja vu or losing her mind. Eventually, she confides in Carter, who tells her she has to use this as an opportunity to figure out who is murdering her. There is then a fun montage of Tree investigating various suspects in her life, which include Danielle, a mean fellow sorority sister, the wife of her married doctor boyfriend, and a guy she went on one date with and then blew off. Also during this time, she does some fun time travel, nothing matters hijinks, including walking around campus naked. At the end of every loop, no matter what she does or where she ends up, she is killed in some way by someone in the creepy baby mask. About a dozen loops in, she wakes up in intense pain and passes out in Carter's room. She is taken to the university hospital where x-rays show intense scar tissue and injuries from where she had been stabbed in previous loops. She realizes she might not have unlimited lives and doesn't want to wait around in the hospital to get killed. She ends up stealing married Dr. Boyfriend's car keys and escaping the hospital with the killer close behind her. She gets pulled over by a cop and claims to be drunk and high so that he will arrest her because she thinks that she'll be safe in jail. Interesting thought. (laughs) After he puts her in the back of his cop car, the killer shows up, kills the cop, and sets the cop car on fire, killing her again. When Tree wakes up this time, she again tells Carter about what's happening, doing a classic time travel move of predicting things happening around her to convince him. They have a heart-to-heart at a diner where she reveals today is both her and her deceased mother's birthday. Her mom died three years ago, and she is sad, so she is avoiding her dad's calls and their scheduled birthday lunch. She also talks about how she doesn't think she's a good person anymore or someone that her mom would be proud of. While they're there, they see on the news that an arrested serial killer, John Toombs, is being treated for gunshot wounds at the university hospital. Tree thinks Toombs must at some point escape from the hospital and be her killer, so she rushes to the hospital to warn them that he is going to escape. When she gets to the hospital, Toombs has in fact broken out of his restraints. He almost kills Tree, but Carter has followed Tree to the hospital and attacks him. Toombs kills Carter and chases Tree. Tree almost kills Toombs, but realizes if she does, the day won't reset and Carter will be dead forever. So instead of killing Toombs, she kills herself to reset the day. 
This time, when Tree wakes up, she is confident that she can end the loop. She goes throughout her day happily, being a much nicer person to everyone around her. She also ends her affair with married doctor boyfriend, meets her dad for lunch, and asks Carter out for a proper date. That night, she goes to the hospital and kills Tombs. She celebrates afterwards with Carter and eats the birthday cupcake that Lori made her. However, when she wakes up, she is back in Carter's dorm room, and it is once again Monday the 18th. Tree freaks out and runs back to her room, starting to pack a bag intending to get out of town. Lori offers her a birthday cupcake again, and Tree realizes that she must have died in her sleep after eating the cupcake, which Lori had poisoned. Tree figures out that Lori wanted to kill her via cupcake, but when Tree originally didn't eat the cupcake, Lori used her job at the hospital to free Tombs in order to frame him for Tree's murder. Did you get all of that? <laughs> Lori admits that she is also having an affair with married doctor boyfriend, and she was jealous that he liked Tree better. They fight, and Tree ends up stuffing the poisoned cupcake in Lori's mouth before kicking her out a second-story window to her death. We cut to the diner, where Tree is explaining everything to Carter while footage about Lori's death plays on the news. They do some time travel banter, and he offers to let her stay with him since her bedroom is a crime scene. The next morning, Tree wakes up in Carter's dorm room, and it seems like the loop is still happening, but it turns out Carter is just pranking her. It's actually Tuesday the 19th. She made it, and they make out. Which brings us to... Blast from the past. Okay, so uh, this movie was actually written, or the first script was written uh, about 10 years earlier in approximately 2007. This movie came out in 2017. Um, oh, okay. Th- okay, wait a minute. Yes. There were does some. Does it explain the bumpets? The bumpets! The bumpets and Teen Mom. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? I don't know why they didn't change that, but. Why wouldn't yes. they change that? That was such a weird detail. So at some point during the during the movie, like, there are a couple of points where, like, it's just. Tree's things... watching TV in her room yeah, while she gets ready for a party. It's just things happening in the background that, like, have nothing to do with the plot. And then they, they mention it's, like, Teen Mom 2, mm-hmm. um, which. Is 2007, and then like... Bumpets. Bumpets, which is so 2007. I I looked this up because I was like, I thought this came out recently. I did a lot of Googling. I didn't didn't go into like, why Mm -hmm. is it... Why are there bumpets in this movie? But I was like trying to figure out what was happening. Yeah. Because part of me was like, well, did she just like... Does she have like... Is she watching a videotape of Teen Mom 2 with the original commercial? Yes! Yes! I was so confused! I don't know why they did that. It is. It was a big consistency issue for me. There were no more bumpets in 2017. 2017, yes. Why did they... That's so bizarre. Yeah. What a weird choice. And plenty of things, as we'll get into, were changed about the script. They refilmed a new ending. So I don't know why they couldn't change the bumpets, but... Weird, 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 weird. When it was originally written, the people attached to it were Megan Fox to star and that it was going to be produced by Michael Bay. Oh, Megan Fox and Michael Bay do like to hang out. (laughs) Um, Someone on the uh, internet hypothesized, this is not a fact by any means, but they hypothesized maybe that's why the university's name is Bayfield. Okay. As like, <laughs> as, like a, as an homage to I the person know. who is not attached to the project anymore? I don't know. I'm probably just a coincidence. Okay. Anyway, it was like shelved for a while and then obviously the people, the people who were actually, who actually did it got involved and then it was unshelved. You know. Great. Why did they keep the bumpets in? <laughs> um, the creepy baby mask, which is another issue I had because whose school mascot is a baby? I mean, ours was like the violets or whatever. 
I mean, I guess. I don't remember. Did we have? But our mascot wasn't. Our mascot was a bobcat. Our mascot was originally the Violets, and then they were like, this is stupid. Why is our mascot the Violets? And then they changed it to the Bobcat, like, in the 90s. Okay. Well, when or we... maybe the, even the early 2000s. Like, the Bobcat was new. Okay. We, uh, for reference, we went to NYU, um, known for its sports programs. That's why the Violets was funny, because they were like, <laughs> we literally, we have no, this is not going to work for us. Like, we're the Violets. Whatever. Yeah. It's fine. I, I thought that was nice. And, and then they were like, no, we're the Bobcats. But we are fierce. Like, but no, we're was not. there ever, like, masks of a, as of a weird caricature of a flower? No, I'm just saying that, like... The baby thing I thought was very funny because yes, they're the Bayfield babies. Yes. That's hilarious. Anyway, the mask was constructed by Tony Gardner, who was the same man who built the ghost face mask for the Scream films. Oh, cool. Okay. I like that. Um, he knows how to make a scary mask. Yeah. Uh, and the director, Christopher Landon, explained, during pre-production, I was expecting my first son. I don't know if I just had babies on the brain or if I was subconsciously scared to become a father, but the baby image was floating around in my head. Tony made us a pig mask too, but when I wore the baby mask in the office, I scared a coworker, and we thought, yeah, this is it. This is the one. Yeah, it was so creepy. I loved it. I thought it was great. But apparently the creator of the Freaky King Cake baby character, which is used as one of the New York Orleans Pelicans, Pelicans mascots, um, didn't sued the creators for stealing his mask. Oh. Isn't the King Cake baby just like a generic baby? Is that? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, they did kind of steal it, didn't they? Why is that a thing, though? It's so creepy. Oh, okay, so the Pelicans are, are a sports team. Uh-huh. I thought that, because King Cake, the baby that's in a King Cake is, like, a New Orleans thing. Yes, yeah, I, okay. which is probably why they it's one of the mascots, but it's still, it's super creepy. I think someone should, like, be watching that man. Who made that mask? Who made that mask, not for a horror movie. Very fair, yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened with that lawsuit, but it, it happened. It seems like they should give him some money because they definitely stole his mask. <laughs> but also, like, if he's selling it for the Pelicans, he probably is making decent money. Anyway. I don't know. The director also aimed to emulate the protagonist's personal growth in Groundhog Day to comment on this age of social media and all the crappy things that kids do to each other. Okay. It's Groundhog's Day for our time. Wow. I didn't get that from watching the movie. And also they mentioned Groundhog's Day in the right. movie. Right, yeah. Which we I always appreciate. Yes. They did at the end when they were time travel bantering. Um, Carter mentions Groundhog's Day and Tree has never heard of it. Mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. Gen Z, y'all. The writer of the script was Scott Lumdell, and he's a comic book writer, and he said he wanted to play with the tropes of the slasher genre, as according to him, every slasher film opens up with the mean girl getting killed and the good girl living till the end. And I thought, how can I make the mean girl and the good girl the same person? Okay. And as we know, time loops are therapy. (laughs) Time loops are therapy. It's true. So as I said, they did change some things in the script. Not the bump it bit, but... My question is, like, is the bump it even in the script? Like, what is that even? Maybe they just, like, because it's in the, it's like a background noise. Yeah, I don't know why it would be in the script. I'm so it frustrated said, by like, it. It might have said, like, tree, you know, in the script, like, tree is watching teen mom. Sure, but, like, just and change maybe... that. You, you're you doing a rewrite. Change it out for whatever is cool now. I bet you the only footage they could find of Teen Mom was, like, on someone's VHS that they had recorded (laughs) that had the original. Maybe they just thought it was funny. Maybe they did. I don't know. Okay. So now we're talking about changes to the script that are not related to Teen Mom. Because they didn't change that. Um, 
In the original draft, Lori and Dr. Butler were the killers. Dr. Butler is the married boyfriend. Um, married doctor boyfriend? Married doctor boyfriend that we keep mentioning. Mm-hmm. I didn't use his name. We don't need to know his name. His no. name's married doctor boyfriend. <laughs> but it is Dr. Butler. And apparently Lori and Dr. Butler were the killers together. And they were like a psycho couple. Oh. But um, the director was like, I, I didn't really like that. Um, and he he liked the idea of using Dr. Butler as like a red herring, who you think might be. And I, I liked, that was a fun red herring. I liked yeah. that moment. Um, I also liked I liked that Dr. Butler was like lo, like a more low key evil. He was just like a gross guy. Yeah, he's you just know? a gross guy. Which like is its own kind of like harmful and comment on it. And so I like that. Well, and I mean, in a way, it was his fault that Tree was getting murdered. That is true. He should not have been sleeping with one student, much less two. Right. I mean, obviously, like, I don't, you know, it's, uh, there was stuff, it seems like stuff was happening with Lori mentally, but it just was a catalyst. Yes. Also, in the original draft, there was no birthday and no romance, which those feel like really key parts of the movie. Yeah, those I thought those two parts of the movie were not only important to the plot, but like the most delightful part of it. Yeah. I liked that she kept dying on her birthday. I thought that was fun. And also the romance was adorable. Yeah, and also if there was no romance, we would never have watched this movie. It's true. We literally, we would never have watched this movie. Not... <laughs> Not in any scenario. I mean, I don't foresee a scenario where I'm watching this 2017 horror movie, but... No, I, we would not. Can you believe 2017 was five years ago? That's that's untrue, actually. <laughs> it's three years ago, right? I, yeah, it's three years ago. It's, it's obviously three years ago. <laughs> Moving along. Existential crisis, be damned. The director also shortened Teresa to Tree... He liked that it conveyed her character arc as trees need to grow, and you see this character go from one person to another. This, Boo! This director seems. I'm sorry, a, I really a, don't like that. Yeah, this director seems a little bit up his own ass, but yeah, you're doing you're doing like a teen slasher movie. Like, relax, dude. You did a good yeah. job, but like, you need to relax. All right. So, original ending, which again was not only written but like filmed and shown to audiences. Oh, okay. Tree is taken to the hospital after her encounter with Lori. The doctor instructs Tree to stay away from pain medication for at least a day due to her, the extent of her injuries. After he leaves, a nurse comes in and says she is giving Tree something for the pain. Tree informs the nurse of the doctor's orders. The nurse reveals herself to be Dr. Butler's wife, Stephanie, who says it's for her own pain. She then murders Tree in revenge for her husband's affair with the girl. This version was shown in the test screenings for the film and was received negatively by the audience, which led the writers to come up with the theatrical ending. Yeah, basically the audience was really mad because they were like, well, we watched her grow and you're going to kill her anyway. <laughs> Wait, but also wouldn't she just wake up again? I don't know. Wouldn't that suggest that like the time loop just continues? Unless she's like run out of, because there was the point where she was like, I right. might run out of lives. When they said like, don't give her anything for the pain because she was, her body was in such bad shape or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I also, it would be too many fake outs. Like I would right. be, I would be annoyed. There would be it, too many endings of the movie. Right. There's and a I bunch would, of endings as it is. Right. Right. Which in the context is actually, it's fine. Right. Because it's a time loop. But yes. if there had been another, like, final, final ending, I would be like, okay, enough. <laughs> enough. No, I agree. This ending is better. Yeah. And also leave, left room for a sequel. And also, um, then we get back to, again, like, it doesn't have to be about the doctor boyfriend. Right. The doctor boyfriend is just, like, a bad thing that happened. Yes. 
Um, so filming took place at and around Loyola University in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is further proof that they, that like, yeah, baby mm, mask not guy. Great. Not great. <laughs> baby mask guy was right. <laughs> uh, filming lasted five weeks, if mm-hmm. you were curious. Um, apparently, so like we mentioned, one of the suspects is this guy that Trey went on one date with, whose name I don't remember. It's just a guy. And he's like, hey, you didn't text me uh, back. And she's like, we went on one date. I don't have to text you. And then she says, who takes their first date to Subway? It's not like you have a foot long. Um, she says it better. She says, like, who takes their first date to Subway? It's not like you had a foot long. <laughs> Something like that. You know? Yeah, this is sassy. Um, apparently that was an improvised line by Jessica Roth. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I will point out she did not have to text him back. Oh, yes. That's a note in my feminism section. Okay, great. We'll talk you about that later. You don't need to text him back. <laughs> So, another Jessica Roth moment. Like we said, one of the time loops, she just, like, walks around campus naked because she's like, why the hell not? So, apparently... Which I loved. Yeah. I love it when they take it that far. It's great. Even though they only filmed and show her face and bare back, Jessica Roth said in a 2017 interview that she decided to go totally nude for the scene. Jessica, you crazy bitch. Why'd you do that? (laughs) Where she walks around campus in order to feel the same rush as her character. What about, have you tried acting? <laughs> have you heard of acting? Have you heard of acting? Also, they're like, it's mostly your back. She was like, no, I'm, I want to feel, I want to feel the rush. No, she's just like getting her rocks off. Yeah. Her exhibitionist rocks off. I mean, good for her, happy for her, but also, no. She called it a very liberating moment. She said, it was incredibly freeing. I think everyone fantasized about what that would be like if you kind of just got to live your life without repercussions and do whatever you want. Jessica, much love to you, but no, this is your specific thing and I'm happy for you, but also walk it back. Not only did I get to play someone doing it, but I got to do a few of those moments, like the naked walk of glory. Now walk of shame, walk of glory. It was one of those most empowering experiences I've ever had in my life. And a huge part of that was I trusted the director so much and to portray that in a way that I felt comfortable. The crew was incredible. She said it was weird being naked in front of the male director and crew members, something she had never done before, but the female crew were terrific. She explained that when they shot that scene, all the women of the crew would surround her holding up their jackets, shielding her from the outside eyes and cell phones so footage of her stark naked couldn't be leaked onto the internet. Sounds like a lot of effort for her to just do a thing she wanted to do, you know? That she did not have to do. The women would chant her name and she would do a little dance in the middle between takes to get pumped up. Then as they yelled action, she added, they would disperse and I'd do my little walk and they would all come and cover me up at the end. I just felt such love and female awesomeness in that moment. It's something where I could have a very long and successful career and never get to do that again. So there were a lot of amazing moments filming this. Wow. Thank you for reading that whole quote. I loved it. I feel like I really understand Jessica Roth. Jessica Roth's inner psyche right now. Um... Babe, (laughs) again, happy for you. Seems like you're very fulfilled by this. It's not the feminist moment you think it is. You you caused a lot of women to do a lot of labor. Yes. So you could like parade your skinny blonde white ass Mm -hmm. in like something on a university campus. Like that was part of it. Was like this is filmed on a real campus, so they had to like. Yeah, none of this was necessary. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. Um, other fun facts and Easter eggs. The shirt, it says tree shirt. I'm pretty sure it's Carter's shirt that she's wearing for most of the movie. There's like oh, a band shirt yeah, she's wearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it says Dumpsta Funk. Okay. Which is an actual funk and jam band from New Orleans. 
Okay, there's too much New Orleans stuff for that <laughs> guy to not... I think they're supposed to be in New Orleans. Maybe that's why they're the Bayfield Babies. Oh. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. I thought it was just Bay and Bay, you know, like a nice alliteration situation. Mm. And Rachel Matthews was the actress who played Danielle, who was um, the, the mean, mean girl head of the sorority. Mm-hmm. She's the granddaughter of the late Michael Landon, famous for Little House on the Prairie, and the niece to Christopher Landon, who directed this movie. Good for her. (laughs) Also, uh, Joseph Toombs, which is the name of the serial killer, was also the name of the high school gym teacher of the Scott Lumbell, who wrote, Lubdell, who wrote the script. So. That's a mean thing to do. I mean, did that gym teacher, like, touch him? Maybe. Yeah. Feels weird. Um, also though, um, Joseph Toombs is like a really good serial killer name. Yeah. So maybe the name just, it might've just stuck. His gym teacher could be dead by now. Hopefully if he's being portrayed as a serial killer in in a movie. Yeah. So on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 72%, if you were curious. And like we said, there's a sequel in 2019 that came out, which obviously we will discuss more in a couple weeks. Happy um, Death Day to, to you. you. And uh, around the same time as the sequel came out, Blumhouse Books released a novelization written by Aaron Hartzler titled Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. Oh, okay. So they, I guess, stuffed it all in they there. They were like, we're doing it. That's it. Good stuff. More, way more than I thought there would be for this one. Jessica Roth gave us a lot to work She was with. doing the most, honestly. <laughs> I guess that brings us to magic, science, just a dream. So, again, I think we'll have a more interesting conversation about this um, with the sequel. Well, mini, is that a spoiler? I don't know. <laughs> but as of the moment, it feels like some, some birthday magic, I would say. Some oh, I was going to say death, death magic. Death magic, yeah. More death magic than birthday magic, if okay. you ask me. Death magic in a similar vein to um, this movie has similar sort of structure as what was that movie we did recently where she dies? Um, the the one before I fall. Yeah, yeah. Very different tone. Very different tone. Before I fall is very like dramatic, and she does spoiler alert to before I fall. She die actually at the die. End. She, like, sacrifice. She's not Ugh. getting murdered. She sacrifices herself. Stupid, stupid ending. <laughs> but I hate it. real mad about that one. <laughs> this is much more like campy, fun slasher, um, but it has a similar structure. Death triggers triggers the, the loop. loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really know what would happen if she just had run, had let's like let's say gone out of town and just stayed alive until it was Tuesday. weird that she didn't do yes. that. <laughs> I feel like. That would have been a move I would have tried earlier. Yes. Especially because she does seem to be trying really hard. Right. She's trying to... I think it's a curiosity killed the cat thing, right? She wants to know who is murdering her. I mean, that is fair. Especially because she knows she gets extra chances. But the trauma of, like, having to repeatedly... uh, Die. Die. And, like... like, be scared that you're about to die. Right. Because it seems like it is very scary every time. Well, no, actually, no. In the montage where she's, like, repeatedly getting murdered, she is kind of like, ah, damn it. Sometimes. Yeah, but then other times she's like, this is very scary and I don't want to be murdered. Yeah, so it is, uh, it's possible that if she didn't get murdered, it would just keep going. Uh, I, I don't know. But I then guess. again, maybe Lori would like continue to pursue her and eventually right. she would be murdered. Right. 
Because the, the when she does try to run away, it's after she thinks she thinks she survived and the loop is still happening. So then she thinks, like, that's not the way out of it. That's when she decides to try right, to run away. Right, right, right. So I, I, re- I think she thinks the way to get out of it is to figure out who killed her. Well, that's just, is it just because Carter suggests that? Maybe. Power of suggestion. Yeah. I mean, if you're in that situation, you're probably looking for any any anchor in a storm, right? Any that's port true. In a that's storm. true. He should have suggested Groundhog Day earlier because maybe it's not necessarily the um, figuring out who does it. Right, but in, to suggest Groundhog Day would be to say, I think you're a bad person and need to become a better person <laughs> to get out of the loop. That's a fair point. Not a great move and if he, he wants to clearly get likes in her, her pants. Yeah, no, good point, good point. <laughs> um, but yes, but it was interesting that her body retained uh, a lot of the... In, uh, her body retained all the damage some that of, was being done to her? Well, some of the damage, it seems. Like, because if... It's as if, like, the wounds had healed, but only right. the internal ones. Like, if she gets yeah. slashed across the throat, she doesn't have, like, a scar on her throat. Right. And um, she wasn't burnt. Like, she didn't have heinous burns all over her face after right. getting uh, the car exploded. Yeah. So I guess that's a bit of a consistency issue, I, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean... But I but I didn't I like the fact it, that yes. she it's had the- some, like, bodily memory of it. Because you know what? Yeah. The body keeps the score. The body, yeah. And the thing is, is if, if we're going with death magic, like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know? They're just sort of like, you don't get unlimited chances at this. Yeah, and I, at the point when, uh, like, right before we learned that she was retaining some of the injuries and that it was affecting her body... Um, in like a way that would compound itself. I literally wrote down, I was like, you know what? The stakes of this are not like super high right now for me. Mm-hmm. Like I want her to figure it out, but also she has unlimited chances. So like it's kind of lowering the stakes for me. And then I, then immediately they, they solved that the problem. Stakes. And I was like, hell yeah, you guys. Good job. Good job too. What's his name? Scott something. Scott Lubdell. Mm. Yeah. We love to see it. Um, But the, I thought the montage of her doing time travel things and investigating um who the murder i thought that was very fun very fun i thought they they hit all of i i think they structurally hit all of our time travel marks yeah which i was delighted by i really i didn't think it was gonna happen in this one it was a really good time and like honestly like throwing in trying to solve something like giving someone a task to do rather than just like be naked exist and run around naked if you wish yes was was great i yeah I, i thought it really it really Kept you in the action, pushed the story along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah, we even got her predicting everything that was going to happen, which we always love. We always love. Super fun. Yeah, um, and we we got to experience her like doing the best version of the day, which is always nice. At the end, when she thinks she's going to kill Tombs and get out of the loop, mm-hmm. you know, being nice to everyone, she um, puts a pillow down under a guy who is about to fall over. When she took that pillow, I thought she was going to, to smother, smother too. Yeah. <laughs> but Much instead, better. Instead, she was like, here's a nice pillow for you, yeah. sir. Um, yeah, and, you know, uh, as we said, this movie falls into the classic trope of um, time loops or therapy. Yeah, which we have our issues with, but also, like, you know, we like to see people grow. Right. Yeah, and so she says, if you relive the same day over and over again, you kind of get to see who you really are. And then she says, my mom saw me now. I don't think she'd be very proud. I'm not a good person, Carter. I don't know. Maybe this is karma. Maybe I deserve it. That would have been the conversation where he's like, 
have you seen Groundhog Day? Yes, yes. He really should have there, but okay. You know, he just counters that with being like, each new day is a chance to be somebody better. What a, what a <laughs> sunny disposition that man has. Yeah, and I will say she's kind of a bitch, but she's not like a... I don't know. I wouldn't say, you know, she's she's kind of a bitch and she is having an affair with her married professor, but it's one of those classic things where it's like, does the punishment fit the crime? I, I felt the same way, especially during that scene where she was like saying that she's such a bad person. I was like, yeah, you're like medium bad. It seems like everyone else around you is worse. It also seems like uh, this is maybe a recent development, which maybe has something to do with uh, unresolved trauma around your mother's death. Right. Yeah. Like maybe go cut to yourself some slack and go to therapy. Like, yeah. yeah. And don't, maybe don't surround yourself with such awful people. Sorority ladies. The sorority, most of the sorority girls seem like bad people. Right. Also, the day that she's like, I'm going to be the best person, she like dumps a bunch of chocolate milk on one of their heads, on (laughs) on Danielle, like the head mean girl's head. And I'm like, yes, this is satisfying, like narratively speaking, but dumping chocolate milk on someone's head does not make you a better person. I mean, if that person is fat shaming one of your friends... Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I just feel like there are other things. You know what I mean? Like, two wrongs don't make a right sort of thing. I guess. I, it, you I, know, again, I'm a proponent for, um, like, justified violence to achieve. <laughs> to I guess, achieve equality. I guess by that argument, like, that punishment does fit that crime. Because yes. she was She'll shaming her, her about the chocolate milk. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if she was striving to be, like, the best version okay, of herself. Okay, but she didn't, like, slit her throat. She could just go take a shower. She'll be fine. <laughs> fine. Um, I also liked, so, in the in the time loop where Tombs tries to kill her, Carter saves her, Carter dies, and then she almost kills Tombs, while she was, like, about to kill Tombs, I was like, oh, no, if you survive this day Carter will be dead yeah and then she I liked that the movie then she had the same realization yeah no I I liked it I liked that a lot and I really loved I really loved the way that they like teased out the relationship between her and Carter yeah which we can talk about later but like that was that moment was really cool and I thought like did a really good job explaining why they like liked each other yeah but also I don't think she should have just let Tombs kill her. Like, I don't know why she had to hang herself. Yeah, that whole thing was strange. I was very, I was confused by that. Because it seemed like he was going to kill her anyway. Kill her just fine. And, like, hanging yourself is not, like, a foolproof. Like, you could end up paralyzed in the hospital. Like That's a good point. That is a, a that's, a very, that's a very fair point. Yeah, she probably could have just jumped from the bell tower. Yeah. That would have been better. Or yeah, it's any point, other thing. Andy Samberg brought, the, brought up that point in Palm Springs. He's like, if you're going to hurt yourself, make sure you die. Because oh, otherwise right. you could end up in a hospital where they don't let you go to sleep. Right, 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 right. And you just would be in a lot of pain. Yeah. What have you done? Here's where we talk about consistency issues, time travel ethics, things such as that. First question for Helena. Yes. If she doesn't want anyone to know it's her birthday, why is her ringtone about how it's her birthday? Lori changed it. She had a line about it. She did? What'd she say? She was like, I changed your ringtone. Wasn't that funny? I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, no, she okay, did. Great. That happened. All right, I'll cut so that. So you can't, no, you don't have to cut it. Just cross it off the list. Great. Oh, I was also thinking about, this isn't really a consistency thing, but it turns out the second time, she actually, you know, she goes a different way and she actually makes it to the party she's supposed to go to that night. Yes. And it turns out it's a surprise birthday party for her. Right. Very nice. Of her friends. 
of her mean friends. <laughs> I was thinking about what a bummer it would be to be like throwing a surprise party for your friend and, and then, then she you... never comes and it turns out she's dead. Yeah, that is a bummer. That would suck. Because also everybody would be like really mad at her to begin with. And they'd be like, this bitch didn't show up for her party. We yeah. hate her. And then they're like, oh fuck. She's like, her throat got slashed on the way over here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty rough. I also, I mean, if you went to a, I guess, party school I had and were in a too. sorority, maybe I'm overthinking this. She, w- she went to a, a party where she got blackout drunk on a Sunday, on a Sunday. Night, <laughs> And then there was another big party where she was planning to get, like, super wasted on a Monday night? Yeah, I don't understand this because... Just make it a Friday. Exactly. Like, they could have... Because... Drinking on Thursday is a yes. well-established phenomenon at party schools, and then have and then she could still have like a school day in which yeah. she like talks to the professor and her friend is at her job. Like all this stuff could still happen, and then they would party on a Friday because that's a normal day to party. Yes, it was so weird. I was like, why are we insisting that it's Monday? It just yeah, it felt like another unnecessary choice where it was like just. Just, Who is this for? Yeah, just make it just make it Thursday and Friday. Like there's really yeah. there's no reason not to. Yeah, I I really did not like that. Um, All right, here's an actual time travel consistency note. Okay, so every time she wakes up, she and Carter have, like, a moment, a conversation, and then as she's leaving, Carter's roommate walks in and is like, hey, did you, what does he say? Did you fuck that? Did you you hook up with that fine vagina? vagina? Or did you? It definitely ends with fine vagina. Get some of that. I think it was get some fine, some of that fine vagina. Yeah. Um, So did you get some of that fine vagina? So like the first day she wakes up, she's like figuring out where she is. He like hands her clothes. They have like a brief conversation about like who he is. She asks for Advil. He has to like look for the Advil. Then he hands her the Advil. Then as she's leaving, roommate, fine vagina. Mm Mm-hmm. A bunch of the time, she just ends up, like, waking up, grabbing her clothes, and running out. And each time, fine vagina is happening as if it was the same amount of time. But there's at least, like, a three-minute difference. Does it? Does fine vagina happen those times she rushes out? Yes. Okay, I didn't notice that. That is a consistency issue. Yeah. No, that's not right. One thing that I thought was good about this movie is that, like, there was, like, the beginning was consistent. And then there was a lot of nice variation in how the day ended. Mm-hmm. Um, like she gets killed no matter what, but it's like she gets killed different ways. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I liked that. I liked the flexibility of it. I didn't have a consistency problem there because it seems like Lori was just sort of responding to right the different choices. The that... different choices. I mean, I will say I think for like a teenage girl, the amount of different ways she knows how to kill someone is incredible. <laughs> Truly virtuosic. Also, the fact that she, like, puts together that she's going to need someone to be an alibi, so then she, like, releases a serial killer. Right. That whole thing was, like, it's, like, a bit roundabout, but, like, works in a slasher film. Right, it works in a slasher film. It works because the movie has, like, a campy vibe. But, like, I was just like, yeah, this this woman is a, a savant. Yeah, no, a for killing sure. killing savant. Um, at first, when it seemed like Toombs was going to be the actual killer, I was very disappointed. Yes. Because I was same. like, really? It's just going to be like this random guy? Like, right. that's so lame. Well, and also, it wouldn't make sense. Like, this why, random yeah, guy why does he chose have her. Because I, at first, because they didn't say how her mom died. So then I was like, oh, did he kill her mom? Like, was her mom one of the people he killed? And now he's like, 
wants to finishing finish the job. The lineage. <laughs> sure, that would have been something. But also then when it was supposedly, I, okay, first of all, I call, I, I don't know about you, I had early money on the roommate from, really? as soon as she gave her the, the, as soon as she threw out the birthday cupcake and the roommate looked upset. Oh, I just I thought she was upset she threw away the cupcake right. she I thought, Well, on. no, no, no. I didn't think she necessarily poisoned the cupcake, but I was like, oh, she's a bitch to her roommate. Her roommate's going to kill her. Oh, see, no, I was fully surprised. Great. And then also, when they were at her surprise party and Danielle was like, Lori was supposed to be here. Why isn't she here? Maybe she's seeing that new guy she's been seeing. Both those things, I was like, okay, check off Scott. Like, we have... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, when Toombs was when Toombs was supposedly the killer, I was like, that doesn't... So why wasn't Lori at the party, and who was this new guy she's seeing? Was Toombs the guy she was seeing? I was totally... I was completely redirected around Lori. Like, I the whole time I was like, Lori's the only nice person. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, that should have been a red flag. No, I know, but, like, I was hoping there would be one nice person. Okay. There was also Carter. I, Carter was the one true. nice person. That's true. Also, I like don't watch a lot of slasher films, so I think that's mm. part of why I was like, who could it be? I was also, and it's so funny because at the end, the news footage, they're like interviewing Danielle, and Danielle's like, yeah, I, there was something weird about her. She like never wore makeup and like blah blah blah, and you know, I don't think if you don't wear makeup, you're gonna be a killer. But I was sort of like, why is this girl in this sorority? She seems to like care about not her job and like all in the sorority not yeah care like, about partying or putting like on she's wearing scrubs she's not wearing makeup like they probably like would not let her in in yeah. the first place unless maybe she was she's a, legacy. a legacy yeah yeah or she like faked it really good during rush week but why because she wanted the prestige of being in a sorority and then know. she would have had I don't to understand have, like, greek life a lot of like i don't know spent a lot of time being bullied by all the women she lives with that sounds miserable. I mean, that would probably lead you to become a serial killer. Sure. <laughs> okay, can I talk about some of the issues I had with the legality of it all? Uh, yeah, I would like to talk about that. Definitely. There were, there were some big holes there. Okay, so first of all, she's in the hospital. She ends up stealing the car um, to run away from the killer. When the cop pulls her over, I was like, okay, I'll, okay so I will say, because this wasn't in the summary, that time, she thinks it might be the doctor. Right. So she's running away from the doctor, and then the baby face killer shows up and slits the doctor's throat in front of her and then runs after her. So I was like, when the cop pulled her over, just say, you just watched somebody murder your doctor, and it's they're chasing you. Right, right. There were a lot of ways she could have gotten out of that, for sure. Right, because it was like, you don't have to explain the whole... Like, I understand you don't think you can explain this time loop thing. That's fine. You could just say, there's a killer on the loose and I'm running from... There's a killer on the loose. There's a... You could go back to the hospital where there is a dead person on the ground. Right, right. Also, I... This person was obviously, like, in distress when the cop pulled her over. Yes. And in a hospital gown. And in a hospital gown. So I just feel like uh, the cop would have sort of dealt with this a lot differently. Yes. Although, you know, maybe he just had no idea how to deal with any sort of person in distress, which is realistic. Yeah. I will also just take this moment to say that it is such a white lady thing to think that the You'll be cop safe will protect in jail. You. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But back to the the things that she did that that were illegal. <laughs> um the time she kills tombs. Yes. I don't know how you explain like so she kills him before he's, like, attacking her, right? Right. So I'm like, and then we just see her later that night, free and clear, in her room with Carter. And I'm like, 
you can't explain it as premeditated self-defense. Right, right. And also, like, she should have put on a mask or something. Like, she didn't, made no effort to hide who she was. She holds a police officer hostage. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that she does leading up to that, even though she thinks that this is the time that she's going to get out of this loop. So she Mm -hmm. needs to be perfect on this loop. But she shows her face probably to all the security cameras in the hospital. No, they definitely know it's her. Like, there's no, she's, it's not like she just walked out of there. Like, what, what the movie leads us to believe is that, like, the police showed up, she was like, he was going to kill me, and they were like, oh, okay, have a good night. I mean, that might happen, because she's, like, a cute white girl, and... They would still take her, like, yeah, she, she might... Right. She, she would, would still, still spend be the night in the tombs, they probably would yes. arraign her, they might... They probably would give her, like, a very soft plea bargain, like, she might not have to serve jail time, but they would still have to right, arraign her. manslaughter, something. Yeah. She killed a person. Right. Well, and it's the same thing with the Lori situation, right. because she did kill Lori. And... Carter says, your bedroom is a crime scene. If it's a crime scene, that means a crime has been committed. Right. <laughs> so why is she just hanging out with you at this diner? She would at least be getting questioned for like yes. six hours. There would be a very long time that she would not be allowed to go to a diner with a cute boy. Yes. Um. Yeah. Especially because like, yes, I, I'm sure she could find a way to prove that like Lori poisoned the cupcake. Sure. Eventually. Yes. That one especially, I'm saying she's getting off on, I think both cases, right? It's it's a serial killer who got who got loose and and his it seems like his profile of person he killed based on like the right. TV graphic is people who look like her. Yes. And you know, Lori had was trying to kill her and whatever and she's a, a cute white lady. I'm not saying she would serve hard time. I'm saying <laughs> she would be arraigned her parents would have to call a lawyer. Yeah. They would give her some sort of plea bargain. She would be on the news. Yeah, absolutely. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, oh, one more thing. It's nice for her, and however it is a consistency issue, that she had a hospital gown with a back. (laughs) Yes. I mean, maybe the doctor gave her a special hospital gown because he's like, I've had sex with this butt. I don't want anybody else seeing this butt. (laughs) Does their love stand the test of time? I think Carter is so cute. (laughs) Yeah, he's a cutie patootie. I I thought the two of them together, they had nice chemistry. Yeah. Uh, maybe their love will stand the test of time. I don't know. Like a few months in college. At least. Yeah. I hope they have a nice time together. She tells, because every time she comes back to the sorority house, Danielle's like, basically like, who were you out with? Like that you just came home in the morning. Um, and the last time when it's like her good day, she's like, his name's Carter. I'm going to have his babies. So cute. It's very cute. And because, like, before that, every time she's been embarrassed and disgusted because he's not, like, a, he's he's not not like a fraternity right. brother. She seems, she says, am I in a dorm room? The first time she wakes up there. Which at first I was like, is she not in college? How old is this woman? Oh, no. And then I realized it's just because she's only used to waking up in fraternity houses. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yep, yep, With yep. my read. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right about that. Um, yeah, I don't know why you would be embarrassed of Carter, because he's adorable. And the nicest man. Yeah. We can, we'll talk about their first night together in our feminism section. Yes, but, yes. um, nice man. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that they, like, teased it out well. There wasn't, like, ever, 
he didn't help her every time and yeah. they didn't overuse him. Yeah, they she had just enough like, moments. She wasn't like leaning on him in yeah. a way that like made me feel icky and also she wasn't manipulating him at all. Right. One thing that that works really well is that he already liked her. Yeah. Like he was already super into her, so like when she was finally like, "Yeah, I want I, I want you. I like, I want to be with you or just, I want to explore this or whatever you want to call it. Like that's, it was nice because he, mm-hmm. it was like, he got what he wanted too. It wasn't just like her, like in Groundhog Day where he like Ugh, manipulates, manipulates yeah. her into like falling in love with him in one day. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I will also say if there was any doubt, he won me over immensely with his prank at the end. Oh, I hated that. I was such a good prank. Oh my I God. Loved it. No, he like, re-traumatized her she's just been through the worst thing ever funny no we'll agree to disagree agree to disagree i i would have hated that i would have been like all right we're done well i mean you're not her tree is stronger than you (laughs) no i'm just kidding oh no oh no i really offended her she's clutching her chest dear listener i wish you could see my face (laughs) no after that sick you are way stronger than Tree. i'm just saying okay strong is the right word I, I just think Tree appreciated the prank in a way that maybe I would have and you would not have. Yeah, I don't fair, think it's fair. a strength thing. I'm so sorry. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> um, I guess we can move forward. Um, the last thing I'll say about Carter, though, he is a bad roommate. Why? Because he asked his roommate to leave the room for one night? No, okay, because at the end, his roommate had already left the room for one night. His roommate comes back and just wants to get, like, a clean pair of underwear, and Carter's like, I'm making out with this girl, leave. Oh, yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) All right, that's it. It's just cute. There's nothing really... Yeah, no, he's cute. We like it. Yeah. Ladies, did we just time travel back to the 1950s? All right, we'll keep on the Carter train. Okay, so my first note that I wrote down, she wakes uh, up in the storm room. I'm sure it was the first thing you wrote down, too. It is. If she's too drunk to remember where she is, she was probably too drunk to consent. Yeah. And if she's too drunk to remember your name, she was probably too drunk to consent. So immediately I was like, oh, they want me to think Carter's this, like, great, nice guy. And already I'm like... No. No. Yeah. No, the first note I wrote down was, ooh, I really hope they didn't fuck. <laughs> And then, well, the, I think the first time she tells him what's happening and they're having some back and forth and he's like judging her for something and she's like, okay, mister, I'm going to take this drunk girl home and take advantage of her last night. Immediately I was like, I'm so happy she's calling this out. Great. Already a like notch for feminism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he says, nothing happened. I slept on Ryan's bed. And I was like, yes. And then I was like, the bar is in hell. Yeah. Us, us being so excited that he did not rape her is... You know, it really tells you some stuff about our culture. We don't love it. <laughs> but yeah, it made it so that we could actually like Carter. Right. Otherwise, I, it would have been bad. The bar is in hell, but he jumped over it. He jumped over it. So happy. A flying leap over it. Uh, contrasted with one of the times. So the time she goes to the fraternity party where they're having her surprise party. She is about to hook up with this guy who <laughs> Danielle either like likes or is dating it is unclear a very weird like sort of dropped plot if you ask me but he looks like discount timothy chalamet yes his name is nick and they're like about to hook up and then babyface comes and kills him and is like trying to kill her and a frat bro wanders into the room and it looks like like the babyface killer is on top of her 
And it looks like... She's struggling. She's struggling. She says, help me. And he, like, looks excited and, like, walks out. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, like yeah, yeah, my buddy's about to rape this girl. Huh? Yeah. I... We didn't need that no. beat. We could have done without it. I don't know. Realistic. Re- definitely realistic, but I still feel like we could have done without it. Yeah. Tim, the guy's name she went on one date with was Tim. I wrote it down. Oh, good for you. Yeah, again, uh, she went on one date with this guy that he that's kind of like medium stalking her. And uh, she didn't have to text him back. If you go no. on one date with someone, you're not really obligated to text them no, back. No, it'd be like a nice thing just to be like, hey, this isn't going anywhere. This you isn't don't need to like me. ghost anyone. But she's not like a super nice person. But... Like, this isn't something she did wrong. This isn't on her list of wrongs to be right. Yeah, I also... She doesn't need to text this guy back and he shouldn't be stalking her. I also feel like it's probable that she did tell him, like, I'm not interested. And then he continued Mm, to text her. mm -hmm. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. In which case, she does not need to continue texting him. Because she does not seem like the kind of person who keeps her... She's very upfront about her opinion. So, yeah, she probably was, like... She might have been a little mean about it. Yeah. But she was probably... She probably told him, no, thank you. Right. Which is... So... All you have to do. He should leave her alone. He should leave her alone. There was some not great deaf mocking. Lo- did not like that. I didn't like it, but it was done by the girl who was supposed to be mean. So I was like, "Is the movie know this is bad?" Either way, I don't want to see it. it was, it's a, that's the same thing with the the frat brother who like right. came in, like mm-hmm. I, yeah, like that's realistic and like a bad thing and proves that she's hanging out with bad people. But like, I don't want to see it. Like, I yeah. don't need that. I the whole married doctor boyfriend uh, yeah, plot course. line. I, you know, I, I don't know that we need to... No. And it, here's the thing. The only thing I'll say about it is it's like, it's supposed to It's supposed to be one of the things that shows that she's a bad person. Right. It's, it's not. It's not. He is both... <laughs> He's taking advantage she's of her. She's single. He's taking advantage of her. He's and his married, power over her. And he's taking advantage... Yeah, he literally says when she breaks it off, don't think you're going to coast by my class now. Right. No, it, it's not good. He's no. a bad person. She yeah. shouldn't, like be associating with him but also yeah, like it's not good for, it, this she's good probably for her mental health. 19 or 20 and he's in his 30s so yeah. it's it's on him yeah um i don't i mean there's a lot of weird messaging about food i, I don't know we so by the mean people in the yes by the mean people so it's like it's fine like it's, it's the same thing. We keep saying the same yeah. thing. <laughs> the messaging around the food is like, so they have this lunch meeting where no one's actually eating lunch. They're all drinking Hint water. Felt like an ad for Hint water. Definitely was an ad for Hint water. <laughs> um, but the messaging at the end felt weird because like as part of her like, I'm going to be a good person, she like in solidarity with the one other sorority sister who shows up with like a tray of food, shows up with like a huge thing of fries and just starts like eating, like housing the fries. And I was like, this is, I mean, it's so, I could go into a whole, I won't, but it's like such a classic, like, oh, if I eat the fries, if I just, if I eat a lot of food, that will solve weight stigma. Right, right. <laughs> you're not, you're not really solving the problem. No. And I will point out, dumping chocolate milk on someone's head, also not really solving the problem. Closer. <laughs> Closer. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sold. I mean, I'm not co-signing what Danielle is saying. Danielle's an asshole. That's the yeah. point of the, in the movie. And yeah, like, it's bad. But I'm just saying maybe Danielle won't fat shame people in the future. I don't think that's what's going to happen, though. 
I think Danielle's going to continue. Okay. I don't think I'm she, just saying, I don't think she thinks like, that shutting down the fat shamer is closer to good anti-fat politics than just eating a bunch of fries in front of people. But eating the fries in front of the fat shamer as a message of saying like you you cannot fat shame or food shame me in yeah, this moment. Yeah, she's not fat sh- like it's it's food shame, right? Like she will eat those fries and she will still be a thin person. Yeah. So sure, yes, but she's also like saying you can't I'm not going to let you food shame me right now. Yeah. Sure. It's not fat shaming, it's food shaming. In in the whole And they're equa- the movie's equating the two. It's not the it's same. It's not the same. Thin white women are encouraged to eat lots of pizza. Right. So it's it's not the same. But what I'm saying is like Also not great that the person that they're fat shaming or food shaming is a black woman. And, and one pretty of the, much the only, only black women we see in yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anything else? No. Is it the best of times or the worst of times? Here's what we talk about. If you should watch it, in what context we rate it on our doomsday clock from noon to midnight. Noon being notoriously gouge your own eyes out before you watch this terrible movie. Midnight being like, it's a party in your eyeballs. This is the best movie. The end. Uh, yeah, Helena. Final thoughts. Ratings. Let's go. Okay, ratings. Um, I would give this movie... I'm gonna give it like a like a solid 9:30. Like I had a really yeah. good time. Yeah. Like if you want to watch a slasher movie that is a little more like has a little bit more of a lighthearted touch and also includes some time travel and some romance, like yeah. that that's packing a lot of stuff into a movie and making it work pretty well. So yeah, I think you should watch this movie. Yeah, I was gonna go 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. I think it's achieves exactly what it's trying to do right it's trying to be this like fun campy slasher time travel romance movie it's doing all those things it's doing a great job it once again i felt like i was watching a good movie i felt taken care you of, felt taken care of. <laughs> it was holding you in it was holding palms. me in my little like this was well crafted uh yeah it's well crafted um some did, of the acting is even good yeah i thought i thought jessica roth did a great job she was clearly living her best <laughs> life in that naked moment she looks a little bit like a young blake lively oh yeah i could see that totally i also thought the tim the guy she went on one date with looked a little bit like white josh from crazy ex-girlfriend yes i thought so too i yeah. had like had i almost looked it up it's not the same guy though no definitely not but yeah i would say watch this movie if you like this genre and my stomach's doing weird things. If you like all of the genres we just mentioned. Yeah. That's a lot of genres. It's a fun time. It flew by. Yeah. We're going to watch Happy Death Day to you. To you. <laughs> and that's all we'll say until we do that that one next time. And, and until we do that, we'll, we'll be, be back, back in no time at all.